0: Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Rune Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe where music and art can take on quite the myriad of forms. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this as an audiobook of League stories and lore. And this week's story, bringing together our last two weeks in Ionia, is the tale of Jin, the Virtuoso. And now, for my terrible impression, art requires a certain... Cruelty. Also, doesn't help that I ran a Call of Cthulhu game last night, so I'm all here for the creepy. Jin is a meticulous criminal psychopath who believes murder is art. Once an Ionian prisoner, but freed by shadowy elements within Ionia's ruling council. The serial killer now works as their cabal's assassin. Using his gun as his paintbrush, Jin creates works of artistic brutality, horrifying victims and onlookers. He gains a cruel pleasure from putting on his gruesome theater, making him the ideal choice to send the most powerful of messages. Terror. And again, this is not very long here. Quick shout out. We've got our Gamer Alchemy podcast that released this morning as well. And we're doing little one-shot encounters that you could plug into a D&D game uh, inspired by creatures from the League of Legends world. I think we've got Nar in there and Ivern. So just some fun encounters. Check it out. Gamer Alchemy podcast on all your favorite platforms where you listen to podcasts. Thanks. One can travel to nearly any village across Ionia and hear the tale of the capture of the Golden Demon. Depicted in a variety of plays and epic poems, the cruel spirit's banishment is still celebrated to this day. But at the heart of every myth there lies a kernel of truth, and the truth of the Golden Demon is one far different than fiction. For years, Ionia's southern mountains were plagued by the infamous creature, Throughout the providence of Zhuyun, and even as f- far as Xionshan and Galran, a monster slaughtered scores of travelers and sometimes whole farmsteads, leaving behind twisted displays of corpses. Armed militas searched the forests, towns hired demon hunters, wuju masters patrolled the roads, but nothing slowed the beast's grisly work. In desperation, the Council of Jun sent an envoy to beg Great Master Kusho of the Kinkau Order. Charged with maintaining the balance between the spirit and the material realms, Kusho was adept in the banishment of demons. Leaving in secret, lest the cunning creature be alerted to their intent, Kusho, his teenage son, Shen, and his young apprentice, Zed, traveled to the province. They tended to countless families shattered by the killings, dissected the horrific crime scenes, and looked for connections between the murders. Soon, Kusho realized they were far from the first to hunt this killer, and his conviction grew that this was the work of something beyond the demonic. For the next four years, the golden demon remained beyond their reach, and the long investigation left three men changed. The famous red mane of Kusho turned white, Shin, known for his wit and humor, became somber, and Zed, the brightest star of Kusho's temple, began to struggle with his studies. It was almost as though the demon knew they were seeking it and delighted in the torment sown by their failure. Finally, upon finding a pattern to the killings, the great master is quoted as saying Good and evil are not truths, they are born from men, and each sees the shades differently. Kusho sought to hand off the investigation, believing now that they sought not a demon, but a wicked human or vastaya, taking them beyond the king Kao's mandate. Shin and Zed, unwilling to turn their back after all they had sacrificed to bring the killer within reach, convinced him to continue the hunt. On the eve of the Spirit Blossom Festival in Jom Pass, Kusho disguised himself as a renowned calligrapher to blend in with the other guest artists. Then, he waited. Shen and Zed laid a carefully prepared trap, and at long last they found themselves face to face with their hated quarry. Kusho was proven right. The famed quote-unquote golden demon was a mere stagehand in Jun's traveling theaters and opera houses, working under the name of Kada Jin. After they caught Jin, young Zed made to kill the cowering man, but Kusho held him back. He reminded his students that they had already broken their remit and that killing Jin would only worsen matters. Gusho worried that knowledge of Jin's humanity would undermine the harmony and trust that defined Ionian culture, or could even encourage others to commit similar crimes. Despite Jin's actions, the legendary master decided the killer should be taken alive and locked away within the monastery prison at Tula. Shin disagreed but submitted to the emotionless logic of his father's judgment. Zed, disturbed and haunted by the horrors he had witnessed, was unable to understand or accept this mercy, and, it is said, a resentment began to bloom in his heart. Imprisoned in Tula, Jin kept his secrets, revealing little of himself as many years went by. The monks guarding him noted he was a bright student who excelled in many subjects, including smithing, poetry, and even dance. Regardless, they could find nothing to cure him of his morbid fascinations. Meanwhile, outside the monastery walls, Ionia fell into turmoil as the Noxian Empire invaded, and war awoke the tranquil nation's appetite for bloodshed. Jin was freed from Tula sometime after the war with Noxus, possibly put to use by one of the many radical elements vying for power in the First Lands near the conflict's end. Now, he has access to the Kashuri Armory's new weapons, though how he came to possess such implements of destruction and what connection he has to Kashuri is still a mystery. Whoever his shadowy patrons might be, They have endowed Jin with nearly unlimited funds and seem unconcerned by the growing scale of his performances. Recently, he attacked members of Zed's Yanlei order, and mass murders and assassinations bearing his signature flair have occurred not only across Ionia's many regions, but also in distant Piltover and Zaun. It seems that all of Runeterra might be but a canvas for the atrocity that is Kata Jinn's art, and only he knows where the next brushstroke will fall. And today's story for Jinn is entitled The Man with the Steel Cane by Odin Austin Schaefer. One The gun in his hand was simply a tool, but a perfectly crafted one. Gold type was inlaid into the blackish-green metal. It spelled the smith's name. This detail spoke of its creator's pride and confidence. It was not a piltover weapon, those gaudy things that attempted to function with the minuscule amounts of magic available in those lands. This gun was made by a true forge master, magic pulsed from its bronze Ionian heart. He wiped the gun's stock a fourth time. He couldn't be sure it was clean until he wiped it down four times. It didn't matter that he hadn't used it, didn't matter that he was only going to stow it in the bag under the bed. He couldn't put it away until he was sure it was clean. He couldn't be sure it was clean until he had wiped it down four times. It was getting clean, though. Four times makes it clean. It was clean, and it was wonderful. His new patrons had been generous. But did the finest painters not deserve the finest brushes? The scale and precision of this new device made his previous work with blades seem insignificant by comparison. Understanding firearm mechanics had taken him weeks of study, but evolving his key techniques from blades had taken months. The gun held four shots. Each bullet had been infused with magical energy. Each bullet was as perfect as a lacelian monk's blade. Each bullet was the paint from which his art would flow. Each bullet was a masterpiece— it didn't just cut apart the body. he rearranged it. The rehearsal was at the mill town, had already shown the gun's potential, and his new employers had been pleased with the work's reception. He'd finished polishing it, but with the gun in his right hand, the temptation was too great. He knew he shouldn't, but he unpacked the black eel-skin bodysuit, He drew the fingertips of his left hand across the slick surface of the clothes. The feel of the skin's oily surface quickened his breath. He picked up the tight leather mask and, unable to help himself, slid it over his face. It covered his right eye and mouth. It constricted his breathing and removed his depth perception. Delightful. He was putting on the shoulder armor when the bells he'd hidden on the steps leading up to his room sounded. He quickly folded up the weapon and removed the mask. Hello? a maid asked through the door. The lilt in her voice hinted to an upbringing far south of this town. You did what I asked, he said. Yes, sir. A white lantern every four yards and a red lantern every sixteen. Then... I can begin, Kata Jin said as he swung open the door to his room. The woman's eyes widened as he exited his room. Jin was well aware of how he looked. Normally it elicited pangs of self-conscious loathing, but today was a performance day. Today, Kata Jin cut a slender, elegant figure as he walked out with a cane. He was hunched, and his cloak seemed to cover some huge deformity on his shoulder— but a jaunty stride belied this. He forcefully tapped the cane ahead of him as he marched toward the window. He tapped the frame rhythmically. Three beats, then a fourth. His gold sparkled, his cream cloak flowed and his jewels, glittered in the sun. What? What, what is that? The maid asked, indicating Jin's shoulder. Jin paused for a moment to study the woman's cherubic face. It was round and perfectly symmetrical. Dull and predictable design. Removed, it would make a terrible mask. It's the crescendo, my darling, Cottagen said. From the inn's window, he had a clear view of the rest of the town and the valley below. This performance had to be wonderful, but there was still so much work to do. "'The councilman would be returning this evening, "'and so far all of Jin's plans for tonight seemed uninspired. "'I brought some flowers to your room,' the woman said, walking past him. "'He could have used someone else to place the lanterns, but he didn't. "'He could have changed clothes before opening his door, but he didn't. "'And now she had seen Katajin in his finery.' The inspiration he needed was so obvious now, so preordained. There was never a choice. There was no escaping the art. He would have to make this maid's face more interesting. Two. The candied pork glistened on top of the five-flavor broth. The aroma entranced Shen, but... He set aside his spoon. As the waitress left, she smiled and nodded in approval. The fat had yet to melt into the broth. Doubtless, the soup was already excellent, but in a moment the flavor would be at its peak. Patience. Shen considered the interior of the White Cliff's Inn. It was deceptively simple and rough. The wood weavers had been masters, removing the tree bark and living leaves only where necessary. The candle on Shen's table flickered. Wrongly. He slid away from the table, retrieving his blades from under his cloak. "'Your students are as quiet as a pregnant war-ax,' he said. Alone and dressed like a merchant, Zed entered the inn. Brushing past the waitress, he sat down three tables away. Every part of Shin wanted to dash at his foe to avenge his father, but such was not the way of twilight. He calmed himself as he realized the distance was too far even if only by the length of his index finger. Shen looked over at Zed, expecting to see him grin. Instead, his rival sighed. His skin was sallow, the dark folds hung beneath his eyes. Years I have waited, said Shen. Have I misjudged the distance? Zen asked wearily. Even if my head is cut off, I was still close and strike. Shen continued, sliding his foot backward and cocking it against the floor. Zed was about ten paces and one half of a finger length away. Your path is closer to mine. Your father's ideals were a weakness. Iania could no longer afford them, Zed said. He leaned back in his chair, keeping himself just outside of the range Shen would need to strike a killing blow. I know that's not something that I can make you understand, but I will offer you a chance for vengeance. Shen inched forward to the edge of his chair. I do not act because of vengeance. You defy the balance, for that you are damned. The golden demon escaped, Zed said, simply. Impossible, Shen replied, feeling a hollowness that caught in his chest. Your father's greatest victory, and now again his foolish mercy, has tarnished his legacy. Zed shook his head. You know what that thing is capable of. Then Zed leaned over the table, well within Shen's range, his neck intentionally exposed. And you know that we are the only two people who can get close enough to stop him. Shen remembered the first time he'd seen the body of someone killed by the infamous Katajin, His skin prickled from the memory and his teeth clenched. Only his father had been strong enough to still believe a merciful justice could be served. Something in Shen had changed that day. Something in Zed had broken. And now, that monster had returned. Shen put his swords on the table. He looked down at the perfect bowl of soup in front of him. Little droplets of the pork fat's oil shimmered on its surface. But he wasn't hungry anymore. Three. There was still no sign of Zed. It was very disappointing. Very disappointing. He certainly must have sought out his former friend. It was likely Zed was hiding, watching. Jen needed to be careful. From the jetty, Jen looked back to the foreign ship. The tide had come in, and the ship would be leaving in a few moments, he would have to return soon if he was going to perform in Zaun next month. Risk on top of risk. He stopped to check his reflection in a puddle. From the water, a worried elderly merchant stared back at him. Years of acting practice combined with his martial training had given him total control of his facial muscles. It was a common face, and he had given it an unexceptional expression. When he walked up the hill, Jin blended easily into the crowd. He checked the white lanterns above him, counting the distance. If Zed appeared, he would need them. At the inn on top of the hill, he glanced at the planters where he had hidden traps, sharpened steel blades shaped like flowers. They protected his escape route in case anything went wrong. He thought of how the metal would slice through the crowd and splash the building's freshly painted teal walls with red. (sighs) It was tempting. He was pushing through the crowd when he heard the village elder speaking to Shen. "'Why would the demon attack her and the councilmen?' the elder asked. Shen, dressed in his blue outfit, didn't answer. Another of the king cow, a young woman named Akali, stood beside Shen. She walked to the doorway of the inn. "'No,' Shen said as he blocked her path. "'What makes you think I'm not ready?' Akali demanded." because I wasn't ready when I was your age. At that moment, a town guard stumbled from the entrance, his face pale and holler. Her flesh was... it was... it was... He took a few steps, then collapsed to the ground in shock. Against the far wall, the tavern's owner laughed. Then he began weeping, his face painted by madness... (laughs) <laughs> He's, he saw it! He saw the flower! <laughs> These were not people who would forget seeing Kata Jin's work. Shin scanned the faces of the onlookers. Clever boy, uh, Jin thought before fading back into the crowd. He checked the rooftops for Zed as he walked back to the ship. The work was inescapable, together or apart. Zed and Shin would chase the clues he had left. They would follow them back to the Blossom Festival, back to Yom Pass. And when they became desperate, then they would have to work together again. It would be l- it would be like when they were young. And they would huddle together in awe and fear. And only then, only then, the great Katajin would reveal himself and his true masterpiece. Would begin. Four. Man, like I said, I ran a Call of Cthulhu uh, RPG last night, and it was a blast. And so then we read Jin this morning, and we've got all the creep creeping going on, which I enjoy. The clever foe that can outwit is always an enemy that I enjoy reading and writing. Anywho, hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories of Runeterra. It was a bit of a fan request to get into Jin, And next week, we're going to knock out a Kali. Well, not actually knock her out because for the life of me, she's an insanely broken champion and I can't do that. And I'm also just, you know, bronze. So thanks for hanging out and uh, listen for the one, two, three, four musical masterpiece that might be just around the corner. Catch you on the flip side.